Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is November the 3rd, 2014, and today we're reading from the big book. We are at page 5, paragraph 1, which begins with um, liquor ceased to be a luxury. Today we're re- um okay. Um today readers are twelve steps, Edith R. Twelve Traditions, Rabia. Reading the text will be Chelsea, Larry, and Renata. The reference number for yesterday, our special edition meeting, is for November second, twenty fourteen is 7002, 7002. OA Preamble over Eaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA, to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Edith R. to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, everyone. This is Edith R., a newly recovered compulsive overeater in Alabama. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pass. Well, thank you, Edith. I will now ask Rabia to please read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Press 1 to unmute. Star 1 to unmute, Rabia. All right, maybe we lost Rabia. How about Mara Z? Would you you be willing to read the 12 traditions? I am willing and need just 20 seconds to get to my computer. Can you hear me? I can. Yes. Good morning. My name is Maura Z, and I am a grateful recovering impulsive overeater in Virginia and the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, overeaters, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you so much, Marzi, for stepping up. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. 
there is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of um, Bill's story, and we're going to begin on page 5, paragraph 1, Liquor Cease to Be a Luxury. And I will ask Chelsea, please, to begin reading. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, visionaries. This is Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Bathtub gin, two bottles a day, and often three got to be routine. Sometimes a small deal would net a few hundred dollars, and I would pay my bills at the bars and delicatessens. This went on endlessly, and I began to waken very early in the morning, shaking violently. A tumbler full of gin, followed by half a dozen bottles of beer, would be required if I were to eat any breakfast. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation, and there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died. My wife and father-in-law became ill. And I'm still Chelsea, still a recovered compulsive overeater, actually for right now, for the moment. So this information here, bathtub gin, it became a necessity. My experience with that and how I identify in with that is that eating from the time my feet hit the floor until they left the floor again for the night was a requirement. It no longer was a luxury. From the time, actually, if I was awake, I was eating. And also the um, idea that I would be, have to eat a whole lot of food was required just for me to get rolling, just for me to get the day started. Even though it would be a day of isolation, that is what I needed to do. And it was not an option. And oftentimes I made sure that I would have the foods I needed to binge on, and that might mean writing a bad check for them. Or that might mean actually um, taking money from other bills. When I was in the child-raising age and stages of my life, and, and early on then, eating and drinking, and I always made sure that when the um, shopping was done, it included my binge foods too, under the guise that it was for the kids. So that went on. And then also, too, as it says, gradually got, things got worse. Incrementally for me, my health started to deteriorate over the years. And um, different things started. I started to have all kinds of uh, maladies with aches and pains and not even being able to walk and stuff. Or else I had um, such depression that I would eat my way through that and then be depressed that I had done that. So incrementally things got worse and I began to deteriorate. And this, to me, is the picture of powerlessness right here for me. And um, also another thing that um, this information speaks to me about is the endlessness of it all, how it just went on and on and on and on. And for me, that looked like... Little by slowly, my whole addiction that was successful, that started out successful, 
ceased to be a luxury. And then I got into that yo-yo syndrome, kind of like Bill, being having a little money to pay things and then not. First he had money, then he's broke. Then he's got money, then he's broke. That's my yo-yo dieting. For a while, things are working. I'm able to do this program. I'm able to do that thing. All of it being done under self-propulsion and not working out right, just turning out into a mess. And thankfully, because I was able to at some point wake up to realize I was in pain because I, I was asleep. I was asleep suffering. I wasn't conscious of it. So then when I finally did get my um, awakening where I could wake up and see things were not, I was, the harm that I was doing to myself, I was able then and at that point to get received grace so that were the things that I most value in life changed. It changed from all the selfishness, because how selfish was it if, if Bill's wife was working at a department store trying to make ends meet for them yet again, because no more money coming in, and he takes the money and pays the bar bill and makes sure he has food, because, you know, we alcoholics, we, and the more you eat, the more you can drink. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the selfishness in this paragraph and the whole idea of the um, delusion that somehow I can, you know, still get a handle on this thing, I can get a grip on this thing, is what I see in this particular part of the text, and, it was my, and it's what my experience was in actual life as based on my behavior that reflected that I was completely asleep walking around thinking I was awake. So gratefully and thankfully now that's not my experience and that it, it could be a change for you, too, because my shift in thinking now, the things I value, love, truth, beauty, peace, harmony, and all those other things that are so much more powerful than me, I'm just grateful now that they're in my life. And you can experience it, too, if you're on the line and you're sick and suffering. You're at the right place. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. And thank you, Chelsea H. Michelle, did I eat too much? Can okay. I share? Okay. just want to say thank you to Chelsea. And I hear Charles. And anybody else? This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, we're going to have Charles. We're going to have Charles. We're going to have Bella, and we're going to have Santa. Go ahead, Charles. And Carolyn from New York. And Carolyn. Okay, now we'll have Charles, please. Good morning. Thank you for your continued service. Good morning, all visionaries. My name is Charles. I eat too much. A recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, wow, a lot here, man. Uh, sugar, sugar ceased to be a luxury for me. Bathtub gym, bathtub gym. I could identify in bathtub binge food. Uh, two boxes a day, <laughs> and I, I'd be and, and I'd be I'd be grateful if it was only two boxes, two 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 packages of anything a day. Um, was routine. And when I when I let it, <laughs> when when I. <laughs> When I got a few hundred dollars, it was going to that and some other negative things. I wasn't paying no bills. So I, I definitely identify in with this. And, you know, if I was to eat breakfast, because I, I definitely would be high from yesterday's binge, last night's binge, actually early in the morning's binge. This is why this is why I identified in. And when I got sick, and there was no sobriety for me. Um, there was no hope for me. And, and, and I sure identify in that things definitely got worse. Uh Wow, visionaries, man, it's great to be here on a Monday morning, you know, living in 10, 11, 12, and 1. i got to live in 1, man. If I get a bright idea, it's over. 
I can pick up right now, you know, uh, I, I'm one bite away, right? One bad thought away, one bad thought and turning that thought into a bright idea and then turning it into an action. Y'all know, y'all know the, y'all know the equation, the, 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 the thought, the idea. Um, so I need to be here and, um, Periods of sobriety? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not fighting for sobriety today. I'm easing into recovery. I need to stay recovered, and there's some things I need to do. Um, I always was acting grimy. This paragraph right here shows griminess, self-will. Me, 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 me. Um, wow. And, and and you know what? Yeah, people are gonna die. People are dying. People are gonna get hurt. We're gonna be hurt. But this is a prescription. You know, it, it, it stopped being a luxury to me. I needed sugar until I found a vision, a vision for you, a vision for me. Decision for you, decision for me. I don't got to step on down to no um, Burger King or McDonald's no more. I don't have to. And thank God for a program, right? A sponsee called me Friday. I could say, I could say the word, even though I hate saying it, Halloween, I could say the word. Um, you're like, oh, you know, everywhere I go is candy. So come on down to the visionary meeting, man. Gave him the number, gave him the website. You know, I, I, I could put the fishing line out there, right? But, you know, if, 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 if sugar is still a luxury to him, I can't help, uh, you know, I can't help it. I know it's not a luxury to me. I was beaten down in submission, man. I need to stay in meetings. You know, I need to stay. This is the prescription. You know, this shows me that, you know what, this is me. Bill's story, right, this is me. This is me before, forget before coming in the program, this is me before a vision for, a vision for you. This is me before a vision for you. So I, I'm truly grateful to be here, and I'm going to shut my mouth and listen to the other visionaries. God bless you all, and I hope you and wish you and pray for your recovery. With that, I pass. Well, thank you, Charles. Okay, Bella, you're up, please. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I still thought I could control the situation. Yes, I was there when I thought that I could control the situation, and thank you, God, I can say I was there. I am not there anymore. Uh, yes, I, it reminds me, it brings me back where I was. I was all the time busy buying food, whatever feeling I felt the day, if I was happy, if I was sad, if I was angry, if I was excited. I was always busy buying food, and only food for myself, because I was very much selfish and self-centered, and I spent so much money only to buy food. And this why I always found myself buying new clothing, because I never had enough clothing, because whatever fit me yesterday, it didn't fit me today. And I still thought I can control the situation. Every time that I bought a new outfit for a wedding or for a, a nice occasion or for an everyday uh, suit, I always said, 
Bella, remember, that's it. This is the last time that you buy a new outfit for a big size. Remember, next time, whatever you will feel, don't go to the food. And I did believe that I can control. And thank you, God, that now I know This is my disease. I don't have control of the food. And now I am so happy and so thankful that I am connected to a loving power and no more to my ego power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella. Santa, is it Santa now? Good morning. My name is Shanta H., a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Recovered for today. Thank you, God. I, I just want to um, piggyback off what Chelsea said. Um, I love that line where she mentioned um, about um, being asleep and thinking you're awake. Um, I can relate to that. And I'm so grateful, and I don't ever want to forget um, where. Um, Eating was a luxury for me as well. I always want to remember that. And I want to just focus in on a line that says, nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. I can identify in here with Bill and along with what Chelsea said because um, back in the day, I was such a career-minded, goal-oriented woman. I mean, I had my life on paper from the age of 18 up to 45. I had it mapped out. I mean, I had brought, wrote out what I was going to achieve and how I was going to achieve it. And I didn't know then, like I know today, that I was chasing an illusion like a, cat, a carrot hanging from a stick. Every time I thought I was about to grab the carrot, it moved an inch forward without me knowing it. There's a quote which I um, want to state and I used to recall saying to myself a lot, um, it says, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And for many years, I balked at that statement because my plans was God's plans. That was a lie that I was telling myself for many years. It was all about I, 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 thinking that it was God's way. But thank you, God, today, I have no plans. I just have God's plans. Whatever God has for me to do today is what I do. I have turned my will, my life, my dreams, my hope over to him. Today I live one day at a time to the best of my ability. And today I allow the surprises of life to come and find me instead of me chasing after them today. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful to be here today. I am amazed at how many of my problems, most of which had nothing to do with eating, I believed, have become manageable, simply disappeared since I quit compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Santa. Carolyn. Hi, this is Carolyn, a compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, it ceased to be a luxury, that's for sure. I lost all pa- excuse me, all power of choice when it came to the food. And um, I remember so many times being physically sick from having to uh, eat to the point where I was in 
I would just keep eating and eating and eating until the point where I literally couldn't anymore. And it wouldn't matter how, how much my stomach hurt. And I would throw up involuntarily sometimes. And, you know, I'd feel awful for a little while. And then as soon as that feeling stopped, there I was again, eating. And um, one time I actually ate to the point where I was so full. And, I, and my husband was out of town and I had to walk up to a, um, oh, what was it, a back-to-school night. And I went up there and I was just, I really couldn't think, listen to anybody. I was sweating. I was, my stomach was ugh, in knots. And so I kept going to the bathroom trying to throw up or pass, you know, something and, and it wasn't working. And finally, I just got in like an attack and I went and I, you know, had lots of vomiting and diarrhea and I felt some relief. And then I went to this classroom and I was one-on-one with the teacher and we were talking and all of a sudden I heard someone calling for an ambulance and I thought, gosh, I wonder who that is, you know. And, and then I realized it was me. I was on the floor. And um, the EMS came, and I got taken to the hospital, and my blood pressure was really low from dehydration. Um, I never told anybody what the true story was. And the doctors asked me, what did you eat last? And I said, oh, you know, McDonald's, which was true, but about, you know, 50 pounds of food ago. And they just kind of chuckled and said, well, that was your first mistake. You know, they kind of assumed it was food poisoning. And um, never have I told anyone outside the rooms. The, the truth of the situation. Talk about powerlessness and shame. I, I pray to God I never have to go there again, that I can continue living in recovery as I am today. Thank you, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Carolyn. Anyone else would like to share? We can do one more, probably. Diane. We hear Diane. Did I hear Diane? I'd like to share. This is Vasa, if I may, please. Did I hear Diane first, Vasa? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just... Okay, Diane, Diane, there's no Diane, but there's a Vasa. So please go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Vision for me, for you, <laughs> for me, for you, whatever. I'm so grateful to be here, and I'm a grateful to recover compulsive overeater. And this is me. Uh, I didn't have as many losses as Bill did, uh, uh, you know, like you know, like deaths to deaths, but I was losing myself with the food addiction. I I was I was just I knew if I continued doing what I was doing, I was just gonna die because I saw my mother. She it killed her. This addiction killed her. And I I remember saying, you know, if I don't when I came into the programs, if I don't do something about it, I'm just gonna die. I was dying gradually. It was the uh, it was the physical death, the emotional and the spiritual, which I didn't know, know at that time. I thought maybe if I could physically take the weight off, and then my life is just going to be wonderful, and I'll be so happy. And I thank God that I stayed. You know, I stayed uh, and listened and listened and listened how the program worked. And I did start with the vision for you, with the book, I mean, with the big book, Step Study, you know, the doctor's opinion. I was shocked to find out uh, I had allergy. The sugar was allergy and, uh, and and the mental obsession that goes with it. Sugar and carbs. Uh, they, oh, I would, I would have lived on it for the rest of my life and constipated and feeling miserable and, and missing all the vitamins and nutrients from other foods that, are, that were good and healthy for my body. Uh, so uh, for me... Uh, the food was not luxury anymore. You know, I did everything I could in my power to control it, and I did, you know, 
at times I remember doing it, but I came to a point I could not control it anymore. And I thank God that God brought me into OA and brought me to the big book. And I found the truth, you know. Uh, if I didn't surrender to God, if I didn't put those foods down, I'm just going to die. I was going to die. And now, you know, again, I was beginning to develop physical problems, high blood pressure, cholesterol, um, diabetes on the, on the borderline. Um, and, again, I could, I could put the food down for a while, and it, I came to the point there was no more. I could not put it down, and I just gave in to my addiction. And thank you, God, that I, you know, I came to the program, and I heard the solution, the recipe. It's right here. The directions are here. And I was so, so desperate, and I was also so, so relieved that <sighs> finally there's a solution to my problem. You know, put the food down, put those the sugar and the carbs down and start eating healthy nutrition foods and uh, and surrender to God and to the program and listen to people that had gone before me and do what they were doing. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just on the other side. I'm 30 years almost in the program. What a blessing. I didn't think I was going to see my 45th birthday and I was 41 years old when I came to this program. So this is amazing, you know. The, it's like a bonus, you know. These are bonus years to my life, the best years of my life. Yes, I've had ups and downs with families and sicknesses in my family, but I, I, that was not an option for me to go back to the food. It's just deal with, deal with life the way it's laid out. And, I, again, I put things in God's hands today. There's no control. God is in control in my life. So thank you very much for letting me share, and, and I pass. Rabia? Janice, would you please press star one? Are you there? Oh, I guess I, I'm here now. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, yes, Rabia, you'll be our last chair. Thank you, Melanie. Go ahead, Rabia. Good morning. I, I, I see I'm not the only one having technological problems this morning. Hi, fellow visionaries. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, and I apologize for the 12 traditions. I couldn't get back into my phone, and thank you so much, Maura, for jumping right in there. Um, so here we are on Monday morning, and I, I was thinking about this in my meditation this morning. It's it's um, a new day of the uh, the first Monday of the month, and um, and I'm not starting a new diet. And and last night at midnight, I didn't throw away all the binge foods. I couldn't I couldn't eat. I've done that so many Sunday nights, and then. By Monday night, I was out buying all my foods again, and so, so before the vision meeting this morning, I, I just looked back in my journal to March third of this year, three three fourteen, and it says Monday, binging for days, and it, oh God, I can and will always get fatter without OA and abstinence and God and my peeps. Well, 
here's I had all the knowledge. I've been in OA for years. In fact, in February, I I, I was working with the food sponsor call, call, on two twenty six in my journal. I I have my food listed that I and two twenty seven. I have my food listed that I called into my food sponsor. So. Um, here I am, you know, these few months later, God guided me to a vision for for you for this morning meeting. I under, I read and understood with the big book guide, the doctor's opinion, and for the first time in my life, I actually understood what my problem was and why I kept going back to the food, no matter how desperate I was when I, when I came back and put the food down. So I'm so happy for all the newcomers on the line and for the desperate who are here for hope this morning and this uh, solution absolutely works. I've been recovered for months now and uh, and my, my um, binge foods, my alcoholic foods do not even call to me. I have a neutrality with food that I've never had in my life. So Here's a new beginning for you and for us all to do this with you, and I'm so blessed to be here today. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Rabia. We're going to go on, and our next reader is Larry Kay, please. Janice, good morning. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Then I got a promising business opportunity. Stocks were at a low point of 1932 and I had somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious bender, and the chance vanished. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not so much take one drink. Excuse me. I saw I could not so much as one drink, take as much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I had written lots of sweet promises. But my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. Well, you know, the, the, uh, I think the important word there for me in that first paragraph is then. <laughs> there was always a then for me, you know, um, and same with Bill. The progression of the disease is beyond question. You know, what, what is a progression? A progression is a process of developing over a period of time. You know, it's an inevitable succession of events. And, and I learned that this disease never, ever gets better. It always gets worse. And like Bill, you know, we may fight it with attempts at more control. We may deny it with more diversionary tactics. Or we may succumb to it where we give up resisting it, you know, worshiping our master. That's what I did. That's what Bill did continuously. We see his progression. I worshiped at the altar of food, plain and simple. You see, a a true alcoholic will continue to drink despite serious health, family, financial problems, any problem. And like Bill, our God substance continued to interfere with our physical and mental health and with family, social responsibilities, that sort of thing. And, you know, whether high bottom, low bottom, compulsive overeater, it doesn't really matter. The disease, here's what matters. The disease will destroy you eventually just as it was destroying Bill, what we see here. That's why this is important. It never loses in single-handed combat with an afflicted human being. I mean, you think you can control this with your own willpower? That's what I thought. Not a chance of slaying this dragon. Not for me, not for you, not if you're a real compulsive reader. So like Bill, we'll continue to learn of the progression of this disease. 
and uh, he, you know, he woke up like Bill, you know, the progression of the disease and his connection, you know, connection to God. Once I completed this practical program of action, that those were two distinct things here. And I, I thought I was thinking. I thought I'd quickly share a brief journal entry that speaks to the other type of progression, which is, you know, um, my spiritual transformation has progressed as well. That's the hope. It's gotten better over time. And this journal entry was only 18 days after having had a spiritual awakening, after the completion of step nine. So here it goes. So day 18, thank you, God. I was thinking as I was walking up the stairs that one of the main blessings of this sobriety from compulsive overeating is that I've been released from a self-imposed prison of emotional baggage. The emotional albatross around my neck dissolving one day at a time. I'm better able to serve others, get out of self, and become truly God-conscious. All this by simply accepting this gift from he who created me. Interesting. I just read quite a bit from my past journaling. Powerful stuff. Part of me feels sad for the guy who was going through the emotional roller coaster of trying to practice this program, while at the same time with the seeming inability to get abstinent. I just couldn't. So what would I tell someone? Experiencing that same situation today, surrender, get honest with someone, pray and act. Each day is an opportunity to take action to live these principles and take these steps. But even that's not enough. Show God that you're willing to go to any lengths. Then accept this, accept this precious gift and hold on to it for dear life. It's so easy. It was so easy for me to turn away from the gift. Strange. In the first five years since coming to OA, the longest abstinence I ever had was 35 days. And I never gave it a second thought before taking that first bite. God, thank you for enabling me to see with greater clarity that what I need to do today to stay on this pathway. Clean house, serve others, serve God, help others. Do not rest on your laurels. And that was my journal entry. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Well, thank you, Larry Kay. Would anyone else like to comment yes. on what was read? This is Nicole. This is Amy. Amy. Okay. Um, before Nicole, was there someone? Amy. 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 Nicole. I heard Rakesset. Rakesset. And uh, one more. Miriam. Okay. Let's start with Amy, please. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Janet. Uh, thank you so much for your service and hello, fellow. Visionaries on the line here. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Uh, grateful to be so. You know, we've talked about a lot, obviously, reading through the doctor's opinion prior to Bill's story about the fact that this is a twofold disease. It is a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And um, that the two go hand in hand to wreak havoc and destruction in, in our lives. As I know it did in my life with this compulsive overeating. And if we go back to page uh, XXV, it talks about this physical allergy, which is, I think, what we're talking about in these two paragraphs that Larry just read. He says here, you know, I, I don't hold that those who believe that alcoholism or compulsive overeating is entirely a problem of mental control. I have had many men who have had, for example, worked for a period of months on some problem or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorably to them, they took a drink a day or so prior to the date, and then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests, so that every day, so that um, 
the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. Well, isn't this what we just read about? What happened with Bill? You know, fraught with denial, delusion, and defiance, we've seen the progression of this disease wreak havoc in Bill's life and those around him. And he gets this uh, business opportunity in 1932 where he's about to get favorably financially rewarded. And, uh, you know, we know that his wife has had to go back to work. There's just so much suffering that's going on in their lives. He's pretending he can get away with it with just brief periods of sobriety and then falling apart again. And here's this wonderful opportunity that clearly he works to bring together. And then he goes on a prodigious bender and the chance vanishes. I mean, who in their right mind would throw that opportunity away? but I can totally relate to what has happened to Bill in this instance because I understand now what that physical allergy is about, that once I put that allergic substance into my body, I have an abnormal reaction and nothing, everything falls below. That next bite becomes paramount. It becomes the absolute necessity for me regardless to any and all around me. I must have the next bite. And that's what happens here. I don't think Bill consciously wants to throw away an opportunity to put himself financially on his feet again. But what happens? This is what the doctor's opinion talks about when it's about the physical allergy. My reaction when I put my binge substance into my body is so abnormal that I am willing to sacrifice all for that next fight. To me, this is the physical allergy. This is the compulsive overeating. And then we go on to the mental obsession in the next paragraph. Bill wakes up. He says, all right, all right, I got it. I, I, I can't do this. I can't. I've got to stop. I've got to stop. And he believes that of his own will, because he knows now that he has to stop, that he will be able to stop. But because of the progressive nature of this disease, once that mental twist happens in us, we never go back. And we find out what happens in the next paragraph. You know, does he actually stop? I mean, how many times did I try to stop? I tried to stop and stopped a bazillion times. But the problem was, because of my mental twist, I could never stay stopped. I made all sorts of promises, like we've all talked about and people have been sharing about over the last couple of days, and the progression of the disease. And I said, I wouldn't do it this time. I wouldn't do it this time. I wouldn't do it this time. And then without thought, I would be back into the disease, which is the mental obsession. So let's get real clear what this disease is about. It is a physical allergy and it is a mental obsession. And the two together are deadly, are absolutely deadly without the grace of God in these 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Amy. I just want to thank everybody for keeping to the three minutes. I'm checking you. Okay, Nicole, (laughs) please go ahead. Nicole? Press star one, Nicole. Can you hear me? Hi, this is Nicole. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Nicole. Okay, I apologize about that. I was having trouble unmuting. Um, This is Nicole. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. And um, I just wanted to um, share on where it says, "I, I woke up, this had to be stopped. And that just reminded me of so many times that um, I I felt the same way. I thought, I, I have got to stop. I was just absolutely horrified by what I was eating and what I was doing to my body. And I was, you know, a, a healthy person and 
people knew me as a healthy eater and I exercised and I took care of my body and then I thought, how can I, you know, take such good care of myself and then in this area I'm just destroying my body and I knew that what I was doing to my body, it was, if I, I was going to keep going that way, I was going to have, you know, um, problems um, with my health and I just could not... Um, it would just baffled me why I couldn't stop. And I, I knew that I had to stop, but I couldn't stop. And that's when it was the thing of, um, you know, where, where we read earlier that the liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. And even though I, I didn't want to do it, I couldn't not do it. And it was just a constant um, cycle of, of uh, eating out of control, being absolutely horrified by what I would do knowing I had to stop this um, and thinking, well, I'm just not going to do it again. And then, you know, right there again within, you know, hours or, you know, maybe days, um, if I could exert enough self-will, um, and, and then I was right back there again and just um, absolutely baffled by why I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. And um, that's all I have. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you for sharing, Nicole. Okay, Rakefit, you're up. Hi, um, Janice, this is Rakefit. Did you call me? I did. Okay, I suppose I'm muting. Um, thank you, Janice. I'm Rakefit, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And what I could relate to, identify with, was Bill screwing up his business opportunity. You know, after all he had gone through for years and years trying to stop drinking and going bankrupt, there was finally a business opportunity that looked really promising. But, you know, the day before or whatever, he went on a prodigious bender because he couldn't stand the feelings. And that has happened to me so many times. So many times I would be in such anxiety at work, for example. I would, have to, I would be giving a presentation in a day or two or three. And I was so obsessed about that. I was so anxious. What if I screw up? What if I do this? What if I don't? And I can't eat. I can't eat. I have to be. I have to be free from being drugged by food to give this presentation. But you know, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the noise in my head. And eventually, I just picked up. And by the time the presentation was, um, I had to give it. I was, I was off and running again. I was already drugged by food. And the reason is because I wanted that effect that Dr. Silkworth talks about in a big book. I wanted the effect that alcohol gives me, and I wanted, and I wanted um, to feel good. I wanted to feel good. I want that knot in my stomach to go away. I want the fear to go away. I want all the feelings to go away so I can calm down and be ready for my presentation. And the reason I had to go to the food is because I had no God in my life. I was totally blocked from God. Totally. I had no trust and faith in God. I had only trust and faith in me, and I believed I couldn't do it. So today, I don't have to live that way. Today, when I'm anxious, have anxiety, going on a trip, going to a wedding, going to a holiday event... I know, I know that God's there with me and he's going to get me through this and I don't have to turn to food to do it. The food is just poison to me. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. I'm sorry, Miriam, you're up. 
Can you hear me now, Miriam? Okay. Does anyone else Hi, want to Jen, Leia? Uh, Miriam, I'm sorry. I was having a problem to unmute. All right, Miriam, and then Leia, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this is Miriam, a compulsive reader, living in the solution one day at a time, calling from Israel. Grateful to be here, and thank you so much for all your chairs. Yes, well, the, all these paragraphs are, are showing us the, the progression of the disease and the complete powerlessness that, you know, that, that, that we can see here. But, you know, I, I, I know from studying this book already that, uh, you know, apart from, you know, the first seven or eight pages of Bill's story uh, come to tell us about the problem, but then the, the, the rest of the pages from, I believe, from seven till whatever at the end, they will tell us about the solution. So the good news here is that I'm sure most of us can identify with this, the, 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 you know, this disease and the, and the denial and the delusion that we can make it and we can do it by ourselves and it's not so bad and I'm going to be able to control it and all the way. And, you know, it's a vicious circle, circle of coming and going and coming and going until, you know, hopefully we discover with this process of, of the steps that there's only one solution. There's no two or three solutions. And the only solution is to bring God into our lives, in every area of our lives, not just in the food, you know. Um, it's just unbelievable how... You know, I walked into one of these rooms, you know, because I couldn't stop eating and, you know, obviously I had weight to lose. And I have found a whole uh, different way of life that has changed and is changing my life from from inside out. And I'm just so grateful. So uh, whoever is just starting up, you know, there is a hope and there is a solution. And for that solution, we have to take our action. And that's why we're learning this together. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. And thank you, Miriam. Leia, please. Thanks so much, Janice. Hi, everybody. It's Leia M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. You know, the disease is tightening uh, the screws on Bill here. You know, now he has knowledge. You know, he has some self-knowledge. He sees he can not take so much as one drink. Um, is that self-knowledge going to be enough? No, it's not going to be enough, you know, and the text teaches us that, you know, absolutely unable to stop compulsive overeating on the basis of self-knowledge. I mean, I knew I was a compulsive overeater. You know, when I crawled through the uh, doorway at the age of 19, I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't understand the depths to which this disease would take me. I didn't understand that I basically wouldn't take a sober breath for the next five years, even in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, you know, it, so knowledge did nothing for me, just like Bill. You know, Bill saw when he drank alcohol, he would lose control. But you know what? When Bill didn't drink alcohol, he also lost control. So, you know, the, the, these two components here, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, really come together. We have an utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Bill had the necessity, certainly. His health was deteriorating. He couldn't hold down a job. Uh, his life was uh, deteriorating faster than he could lower his standards. 
you know, he, he had the wish. <laughs> he, he had this great opportunity. He could be uh, president of a company if he stayed sober. He couldn't stay sober. You know, what is wrong with his mind? Why wasn't he responding to humiliation? Why wasn't he learning uh, from the consequences of his behavior? I relate to that. I'd stopped thousands and thousands of times. I'd put the food down thousands of times. Why couldn't I stay stopped? Why did I forget to remember? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why couldn't I remember the suffering? Why couldn't I remember the tears from last night? Why couldn't I remember the conversations about divorce? Why couldn't I remember that? You know, I had this defective mind. So it didn't matter it, that we had self-knowledge. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I don't know about you, but that never worked for me. You know, this knowledge business never worked for me. What worked for me was this program of recovery, but I had to experience my powerlessness first so it became the launching pad of desperation to seek and find the power that is available through the implementation of these steps. You know, the program of recovery restored me to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Leah. Um, I think I'm going to conclude at this time. Okay, so thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Renata please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.